For grace and peace be multiplied to you in the matchless name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, uh, let me be quick first to uh, thank you for uh, being here with you. Um, I, I, I get asked a lot, how in the world, Jonah, did you get to get everything done uh, every week? And uh, it's because I've been blessed with a fine wife that loves me. Uh, number one, um, and I got my, my kids, they're also here this morning, and they got friends from school who are also here, so they're like, Daddy, please just don't embarrass me. Um, but uh, I also get to do so much of what I do, man, because I, I really do have the best staff uh, in all of RUF and Christina and Trayvon. And man, if y'all hadn't seen it, man, I got some of the best students in the country with me this morning as well. So uh, I am uh, a product of God's grace and, and we're grateful to be here with you. Uh, it's October, uh, so we're uh, in the middle of the semester and every day on campus um, is this amazing reminder of the way that God is working in the lives of these young people. Uh, and he's called me to, to pastor them, and I get to do this, guys, because of your kindness and generosity, and, and I want to be sure to say thank you uh, for that. And this fall, my, my staff and my student leaders and every student in RUF has been working towards this one singular narrative um, that we, we call working to cultivate the kind of family that Jesus introduced to our world cultivating the kind of family that Jesus introduced to our world. And so we're working through uh, freshman Bible studies and large group studies on Wednesday nights. There are groups for men and women and their prayer groups uh, that meet at different times through the week because we really want to live out what it means uh, to be the family of Jesus. And uh, one way that we're doing that actually this week is we're headed uh, on Friday, this Friday coming up to the first all HBCU fall conference um, down in Wilmington. And so, um, number one, please pray for the staff sanity um, because we're going to need it. Um, but also pray that students, as they grow closer to Jesus, that they would grow close to each other. Um, and I, I do want to be honest and, and ask for your help in, in, in saying um, that several of our students need to be scholarshiped in order to be able to go. Uh, and so we're covering a lot of the costs, they actually the most of, of the costs for uh, this weekend coming up. Uh, and so one of the ways you can actually practically partner with us uh, is to help us. And so uh, if you're interested in helping covering some of the registration costs or even help with something as small as like buying snacks to make sure um, that students have some stuff to munch on while we're away for the weekend, uh, please see us at the table after service. and. We'd love to talk about ways that you can do that. But I, I, as I get started this morning, um, I, I want to remind you that I need you to talk to me a little bit this morning. I told my students this is, this is the kind of church where we, we still got some Presbyterian life in us, right? So I, I need us to show up this morning. But we're looking at Genesis 1.27, just this one verse, and we're going to see what God has to say for us this morning. Genesis one. Verse number 27 says, So God created man in his image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. So uh, my students have uh, gotten used to something from me that they can tell 
uh, is coming in our conversations because I, I generally always start the same way. It goes something like, um, I got a question for you. And then uh, it turns out that to me saying, you know, hey, it might be sounding something weird. And they're always freaking out at this point because like, what is this dude going to ask me? But my question to him lately has, has been the same. It's been this question, who are you? Who are you? I know that question seems like um, something easy to answer um, because we're quick to tell people about our careers and our marriages or we talk about the kids that we're proud of and my students are not much different because uh, the easy answer is always about the cities they represent or uh, future pursuits is about academic honors or social statuses achieved on campus but is this who we are. Genesis 1.27 is um, a doctrinal statement, but it's also a place that we have to find some sense of purpose. The Christian doctrinal idea of what it means to be made in the image of God without living in his purpose for our lives will only lead us to proud arrogance, a useless faith, and self-deception. So the doctrinal ideas of our faith should lead us towards purposeful practice because there is absolutely no basis of godly behavior apart from the truth of God's word. And so I pray this morning that this message will move you from doctrine to purpose to know that God has created you in his image and has given you a purpose that rests in him alone. But how do we get here, though? See, uh, Genesis is about beginnings, yet it's imperative to remember that it's only the beginning of our story as humanity and not God's because he is infinite and timeless. It reminds us that our God does not simply exist, but actively engages in our world, and his hand is at work in both the seen and the unseen. And yet we also must recognize that God intricately shapes us, as the text suggests, in his image. It points us to reflect on a world that is not happenstance or coincidental, but a reflection of how he sought to provide for us a place of flourishing, a place that embodies his creativity. It tells us that the story of our descent into sin and the way that our severed relationship could only bring us to the need of a righteous redeemer. The first day of creation in um, the first part of the chapter is about light. Uh, the God who himself is luminous creates from the very beginning the distinctions of light and darkness, and he does this as a demonstration of his glorious might. The second day, though, um, is about the creation of the expanse, or some older translations use uh, firmament, which is the covering, which is literally the skies above us. And the third day is the separation of the waters with the dry land and the vegetation that covers them, while the fourth day is about creating the sun, moon, and the stars. 
And day five is the creation of the birds and the animals of the sea. But if you look at day six, you see the way that the story seems to go from rapidly just listing the details of the day to the intricacy of God at work in creating humanity. And while he simply speaks all else into existence, notice the deliberate, thoughtful consideration of man being made in the very image of God. And so as the psalmic suggests in Psalms 19, while all of creation can speak to God's design of our world, his power and his goodness, only humanity can give you an image of who he is. As I thought about this message for you this morning, Shadia, my wife, came into my office and she said, don't forget to tell him that the image is only a reflection of what could not be confined in the pixels on a screen. It only points us to something better. I know some of you might have missed it, so let me help you. I see an image is only a picture reflecting the moments of a particular point in time. It reminds us of the joy shared and the hope and belief in the moment, and yet what it cannot capture is the object of joy and hope and belief because that's only in the thing the image seeks to reflect. So if you want to know the reason for my joy, you've got to know my Jesus. And if you want to know the reason for my hope, you've got to know my Jesus. And if you want to know how I can believe in a world that seems to be crashing down around me, it's because you've got to know my Jesus. We're going to get to the gospel in a minute, fam, but I promise you it's coming. But I need to get back to this sixth day because on this sixth day of creation, which happens in verses 24 to 31, is the climax of all God creates. So get this, though man and woman are the last thing that God makes out, not out of some evolutionary process, but crafted by hand, he is saving the best thing for the last thing. To be made in his image, though, is to have his very essence. Our, our confession says that God is spirit. He is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, and truth. So to be made in his image is not a reflection of our physical bodies, but the essence of who we are. To be made in the image of God means that even though we are imperfect and finite, that we are the very embodiment of God's nature that is his communicable attributes of life and freedom, personality and truth, wisdom and love, holiness and justice. And in that union with him, we have been given this opportunity to commune with him. I don't want you to miss, though, that in all that God creates, there is this functional relationship between all things. And this is especially true for those he creates as image bearers of him. He says you got to do two things. He says you got to rule and you got to be fruitful. Jesus, of course, is the one who comes and ultimately fulfills this as our substitute. And I told you that the gospel is coming. But as a theologian in practice, I contend that the narrative of the New Testament as a whole is unquestionably understood only in light of a peripheral view of what we see here in the story of Genesis. 
that means that this cannot be fully interpreted without knowing precisely what it is that scripture tells us to be made in the image of God. See, the New Testament makes 103 distinct references to the story of Genesis and 60 of those references speak to these opening chapters. This allows us to conclude that the authors of the New Testament accepted the story of Genesis as historical accuracy. Genesis answers our questions of where evil in our world comes from, the personal conflict we seemingly have with one another, and the promise of God's redeeming grace towards us. Let us not forget, though, that however, that being made in the image of God is to take on his character, to take on his compassion and his grace. So in 1965, Dr. King preaching said that the whole concept of the image of God is the idea that all men have something in common, something that God himself has injected in us. And this gives us uniqueness, it gives us worth, it gives us dignity, and we can never forget this. And so while Genesis is the story of beginnings, it's also a story that points us towards the end. It gives us direction for the outline of the entirety of Scripture's narrative, from the grandeur of creation to the glorious return of Christ, and everything between points us to the most theologically profound thing that there is, and that's simply that we need Jesus. Every part of scripture story from creation, fall, redemption, and restoration is to point us to our need of him. Genesis 1 and 2 tells us much about creation. But when we get to Genesis 3, there's the fall. And as you read through down to chapter 11, it feels almost as if humanity is continually spiraling downhill. When we get to Genesis 12, though, the narrative takes this interesting pivot. As God tells Abraham, he says that through you, I am going to make a new nation, a new people that belong to me, which ultimately means that humanity cannot redeem itself. We need someone to come and save us. The gospel is good news we are saved by grace and not through any works that we do for ourselves. When we look at the story of Abraham, when we look at the story of Jacob, when we look at the story of Joseph, it starts this cycle of God redeeming his people through the one that is rejected. It's no wonder for us then that this is the family through whom Jesus comes. So when we see stories like the building of towers that reach into the heavens in Genesis 11, it's because the image bearers have gone from seeing themselves as reflecting the image of God to seeing to be seen themselves. My students will tell you because they've heard this 5,100 times from me that this it's exactly the root of sin itself. Adam and Eve, of course, were 
not immune from this distorted image. Because they got caught up in the image when the original walked in the garden with them. So what is sin? Sin is anything that we put before God. Or maybe I can tell you like Piper says, is that the glory of God not being honored, the holiness of God not being reverenced, the greatness of God not being admired, the power of God not being praised, the truth of God not being sought, the, the garments of God not being obeyed, the justice of God not being respected, the wrath of God not being feared, the grace of God not being cherished, the presence of God not being prized, and the person of God not being loved. I, I, I say this because then when we get down to Genesis 32, we see Jacob wrestles with God. And as the sun rises from fighting all night, God tells Jacob, he says, you got to let me go because you can't see my face and live. But Jacob says, I, I can't let you go until you bless me. I think we miss in that exchange exactly what it means to be an image bearer of God and that's finding that our life's fulfillment is only in him. See, I have this sneaky suspicion that for most of us in this room, our problem in understanding what it means to be made in the image of God is not that we want to run the streets, but that our sin problem is about wrestling with the kinds of things that God has given us for good, and yet we've made them better than the creator himself. So we've made pillars of sin. We're fighting for wealth and not trusting the Jesus who enriches our lives. And we're fighting for comfort and not resting in Jesus. And we're building systems and structures of self-preservation and not trusting in Jesus. For us to be made in the image of God means that God's purpose throughout all of redemptive history, has worked to create for himself a people that dwell in his presence and that we would enjoy him forever. This is why, fam, we've got to see that scripture is a singular connected story giving us a picture of God at work creating for us a place that we would dwell with him. See, somehow along the way, we've managed to distort that at the root of human origin is not an elevation of ourselves that we can be raised up, but that the heavens would come down and God himself would dwell among his people. So God creates in his image a people for his own. That's the story of Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, it's there not because he wants to test our loyalty like some scientific study, but we got to know that before there was light and sun, before there was birds and trees, and before the sky was filled with stars, he had a plan for a place called Calvary. 
So where does the narrative of the gospel begins? It begins something like in the beginning God. I think the Apostle Paul knows something about this because he writes to the church in Ephesus. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. I used to love the A-team growing up, and you know everything would be okay despite all they had to fight through because Hannibal would always at some point say, I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> Fam, the cross is God's plan coming together. It is God's great mercy in condescending himself into the story of humanity to live a sinless life, and yet on the cross he bears the sins of humanity that we might bear his righteousness before the Father. So who are you? How, how do we truly answer that question? It's the simplicity that I am an image bearer of God call to the purpose of living out each day, pointing others to the grace afforded to us in the gospel. See, Genesis 1.27 tells us that God has created us in his image, and I pray that this will be the ever-present reminder that it is God alone who sustains us, and that should humble us at the foot of the cross. So we come to this table each week because we recognize that though sin has greatly defaced God's image in us, by God's grace in Christ we have been renewed. So we live by that grace and acknowledge that we long for the day when this restoration is complete and we can live forever in the presence of our God. And so on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he sat at the table with some of his closest friends. And he took bread and he broke it. And he says, this is my body broken for you. And then he took the cup. And he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for the remission of sins, to do this in remembrance of me. Friends, maybe you're with us, and you're unsure of this Jesus reality. 
and know that we are thankful you are here. We want this to be the kind of place to come and explore the truth claims of Christ. But we also want you to be free to abstain from this meal. But if you know also the truth that each day is about resting in Jesus, then I ask that you would come with me in peace. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you, Father, Son, and Spirit, created us in your image. to reflect you in our world and all of your goodness and glory. And yet, Father, this table is a reminder for us that often that, that imagery gets distorted. And so, Father, in this meal, Father, we, we, we are reminded of the, the way that our hearts and our minds need to be uh, continually uh, turned towards you. This meal is a celebration of that truth. And Father, we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.